it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. A good rule of thumb. It's probably not great when a memo from a state high school soccer official makes headlines. But a letter with sexist language directing high school referees to treat girls' soccer players differently than boys sent last month did just that. The memo infuriated coaches across the state. I'm Andrew Thien, and this is Beat Check with the Oregonian. Up next, Nick Strang, high school sports coordinator for the Oregonian and Oregon Live. We talked about the letter, the Oregon School Activities Association's response, what it says about their broader inequities in high school sports, what may happen from here, and some of the broader societal issues that have spilled over into youth sports in recent years. Here's our conversation. Nick Strang, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Andrew. So, Nick, high school sports are still in their early season. School started just a few weeks ago, and it's you know, things are ramping up now, but it's not often that a letter from the state's activities association makes news, but you recently reported on a letter that did just that. Can you talk about how that came on your radar? Yeah. So I actually first heard about it because Milwaukee girls soccer coach, Sarah Feimel emailed me about it and she was, you know, frankly, very upset. Sarah's been coaching girl uh, soccer in multiple capacities for 20 plus years in Oregon, including in the club scene and the high school scene, um, youth scene. Mm. And yeah, she, she, (laughs) like she, she was very uh, frank in the story when I talked to her and she was even more frank in her email that she sent to me (laughs) that included the letter. And um, also she forwarded me the OSA's um, kind of immediate response to it. And from uh, assistant executive director, Molly Maxwell. Can you describe the letter that she sent to you? Who wrote it and, you know, what was the purpose, you know, of, of this letter? Yeah, so the letter was the SRI Soccer Bulletin. That's very insider knowledge. S- SRI stands <laughs> for Sports uh, Rules Interpreter Bulletin. These these are letters that you don't, like the public doesn't see very often just because they're very inside baseball. Like, it's, it's about as inside baseball as you get and sometimes literally inside baseball because it's very, exactly. it's, it's, the SRIs are are a position that the OSA ha- has. They don't, you know, work for the OSA, but they work with the OSA and the and the OAOA, which is the Oregon. It's the officials association. Okay. Um, in this case, it's Patrick Duffy who is the soccer SRI, uh, sports rules interpreter. He's been in his position for about seventeen years, and they just these are just released whenever. Um, their job is to, you know, 
keep track of trends in refereeing, Mm -hmm. um, to answer questions if referees have questions after a game, like, should I have done this differently? In this case, one of the trends that he saw was a major uptick in cards being distributed to girls um, during girls' soccer games. And he very blatantly just said, do not referee girls' games the way that you would a boys' game. Do not allow girls to play through contact. Girls don't want to play through contact the way boys do. And that's kind of where everyone just, you know, eyebrows turned up everywhere. And we're like, that's not right. Yeah, so unpack that a little bit for us. I guess uh, disclosure: I'm I'm you know married to a a former soccer player who's who's a woman who um you know I, I I've seen play before and I I've watched lots of women's soccer games so I think I have a good impression of the quality of play and the toughness of players. Why was this a controversial and offensive statement? It's just very blatant that they're saying that they were saying like hey, treat boys and girls different. It, it was It's very verbatim that um, girls are much less likely to want to play through contact, play through some contact with opponents that boys typically want to shrug off. That's what Duffy wrote in his, in his letter. And he said, you want to blow the whistle immediately and loudly. Do not, do not wait to see if advantage is going to develop. And, you know, anyone who's ever watched soccer knows that that's just not true. You know, our soccer reporter, Ryan Clark, said it himself on Twitter that right. he, you know, he watches the, the Timbers and the Thorns, and he's like, the ladies play through contact. The ladies play through contact more than the boys sometimes because the boys are more like, they are the, the Timbers are more likely to have the theatric injuries the way that, you know, you, you see so often in, in men's soccer that you don't often see in women's soccer. No, for sure. Um, and I'm curious, you know, in your experience, um, in your gig and just, you know, obviously you've got a lot on your plate with all the various sports, but was this an issue that you were aware of in terms of like the, um, dramatic increase in red cards given to girls soccer players? Was this something that was coming across your plate or, or that you had witnessed? I don't have any data for it and I haven't seen any upswing in cards. And then the coaches I talked to, they said it wasn't obvious to them, you know, not having counted the cards to see like, Oh, is there, are they going up? They said it it wasn't, it wasn't obvious that more players were being carded Mm -hmm. during games this year. Uh, Sarah Plymel, who the coach at Milwaukee, she did, she did say that like the increase in cards for girls, if you're if you're if you're quicker at dishing out cards to girls than you are boys, you are actually you know potentially impeding a lot of girls' ability to participate in in the in sports because when you get a red card, you are you're not only like disqualified from the game, but you can't play the next game. Hmm. So you're, you're you know you're taking you're taking these girls off the field as well, and that could have a serious negative impact on a lot of them. Yeah, so it's not just an offensive statement. In practicality, if this is playing out, it might be negatively affecting, um, you know, uh, girls' love of the game and their ability to play the mm-hmm. game. Um, right. So I'm curious, Nick. Um, you know, obviously this this uh, landed, and it was, you know, you obviously you mentioned Ryan Clark, uh, friend and colleague who covers the Timbers and Thorns, reacting. But it seemed like there was a lot of reaction to this. I mean, what was what was coming into your mailbox after you you posted the story? And um, just can you can you describe the nature of, of the uh, reaction? Everything that I've heard has been 
this is ridiculous that, you know, why is this even coming out in the first place? You know, another colleague of ours, uh, Jamie Hale, who covers uh, travel outdoors, uh, he said, like, this is the reason why his sister wanted to play boys soccer, because then she could have shoulder to shoulder contact and, you know, have, be, play a physical game because she's playing tough against girls and just getting fouls left and right called on her and said that that was unfair. I don't remember, I think it was Edder Camposano, former colleague of ours, mm-hmm. um, said, said uh, you know, the OSA thinks that girls are too dainty, I guess, to play through contact the way that the macho men are. So Patrick Duffy, the, the um, gentleman who wrote that letter, as you mentioned, he, he he's not some new figure at the at the OSAA. He'd been there for 17 years. He um, he apologized. Um, uh, and can you kind of describe what exactly the reaction has been from the top officials at, at OSAA? Because as you reported, this letter kind of contradicted the formal policy, right, of the agency overall. That, that was kind of the big reason why I first started digging into this. It really clicked when I read uh, Molly Maxwell's apology email to the OSA athletic directors, which is saying, um, she said, we do not condone or support this message as it goes against our priorities of fairness and inclusion. And I said, I said, oh, this, this directly contradicts the OSA's own uh, star initiative, which is their, you know, anti-bias, anti-discrimination um, initiative that they've been putting on, um, which is really, you know, to handle these issues that happen at sporting events. And we've reported on a, quite a few of these. Yeah. And the, the the letter just says, you know, treat boys and girls differently. And I said, that's, that's against, directly against what you yourself talk about. Can you just describe... You know, because Sarah, uh, the coach of the Milwaukee uh, team, isn't the only coach you you spoke with. I mean, and obviously not the right. only one who who's upset. But can you kind of describe other reaction from coaches you spoke with? And you know, if if this is the guidelines being sent by you know someone who's in a position of power to help influence um, refereeing, I mean, what what did that say to these veteran coaches about the game overall in Oregon? I talked with two other coaches, Grant High School's Manolis uh, Chwanakis, who the Generals won Class 6A state championship last year. Really good program, Mm -hmm. a really good club influence program. He very bluntly said, you know, this is not fair. The treatment that girls get is not fair. And it's very obvious because he coaches boys and girls club. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, it's, it's, it's very obvious that they're being treated differently. And I talked to Steve Fenna, who's the Jesuit girls soccer coach. And I mean, he's won like nine state championships with Jesuit. They're one of the best programs in the state. He's been there for a long time. So, you know, probably the, you know, if you had to to say like, who's, who might be the most respected head coach in the state, it's probably Steve Fenna. Mm -hmm. And he was very blunt. And he said, he said that it's fair that referees interpret rules differently, which is, you know, if you're talking about like, like baseball strikes zone, every, every, every umpire strikes zone is different. You just have to stick to it. That's, that's, that's a fair strike zone. But he said those interpretations should never be based on gender, ethnic background, or how a referee might feel a certain team wants to be refereed. 
Same game, same rules. Frankly, the bulletin is wrong in each of its versions, and and a slight to all female student athletes. And it's just he, he just said it straight. You know, this is this is not this is not good. My impression from reading your coverage and talking to you and seeing the reaction is that, like, I mean, this was this was obviously a, a mistake, um, but it seems to have kind of unearthed some feelings that existed. Maybe you know, not even really uh, behind closed doors. I mean, obviously, the, these were frustrations that coaches, at least the coaches you spoke with, who are, like you said, have been around the game forever, have had for years. Yeah, uh, definitely. Why do you think it uh, it took this letter, I guess, to bring, bring those reactions out? I, I think it's just because this is really the first time where it was just, just displayed on an OSA document that said, treat boys and girls differently because you know you you're a co if you're a coach and you see that the girls can't be physical in a game then you just you're just like oh this is the referee and then you know it happens in the next game and it's like ah it's the referee and there's you know, there's only so many referees <laughs> so you're gonna see the same guys over and over again um but i think this was really the first time where it was like the state agency saying treat them differently and it's it you know then it then it's like oh that's that's from the top where do you think you know this goes from here i mean uh obviously the season is still ongoing um how do you think this plays out going forward nick patrick duffy is still in his position he's being required to take um nfhs uh and osa implicit bias training mm-hmm. the nfhs is the national level association that the osa is under you know, it's to be, it's, I guess it's to be determined, you know, how the, how the soccer community reacts to, you know, future bulletins and his involvement. Um, I just, it, it, you know, this is just an uphill battle that is not new to the, to the girls soccer scene, I guess. I, it's in talking with the coaches, this is just, you know, they, they didn't start being treated differently this year. Yeah. This is just the battle that they've been in. And honestly, I think one of the big things that they're going to have to do is probably start getting some more female referees so they, so they understand how to, how to work with the girls. Because that, I mean, that's what the bulletin screams to me is blow your whistle and get a, give a card because I don't know how to talk to a girl. Yeah. No, I think that's a astute point. Um, and let's stick with the referee, um, piece because you, you lead a coverage of, of high school um, sports across Oregon, and um, you've led coverage recently that, that kind of pointed to um, issues surrounding referees that maybe a lot of people who aren't, who don't have kids in the game or who, you know, don't go to sporting events might not be aware of. And there's been a longstanding shortage of referees, right? Oh, yes. And so Shane Hoffman who freelances with me and does really good work, um, did a two part series on the referee shortage in the state. And it's really a uh, national issue right now that was really exacerbated by the pandemic where a lot of referees were like, Oh, I got nothing to do. And they go back to work one day and they're just like, Oh, when I wasn't here, I wasn't being yelled at. And then they're like, oh, I, I actually don't like that. I actually don't like, I don't I actually don't like refereeing basketball enough to be yelled at my parents. 
So, so a lot of people quit. Obviously, you're getting paid for your time, right? You're, they're not doing it for yes. free in some cases, or are they always getting paid? Um, the referees are paid. They, yeah. they, work, they work through their um, respective referee associations. There's all different ones. Um, but they are, they're, this is not their full-time job. This is a, this is a, this is a part-time evenings gig. So, right. so none, there isn't a single referee in the state of Oregon that needs to be there. How severe is the shortage and like, how is that playing out? Um, uh, for people who might not have read the, the piece that you mentioned or the two pieces you mentioned. I think we are definitely, we're, we're, we're way past the tipping point where it's affecting every sport, you know, just looking at this fall, there's football games every Thursday now, and there's football games every Saturday. Mm-hmm. Teams like Jesuit, teams like West Lynn uh, are playing Thursday games on back-to-back weeks, um, and that's because of a referee shortage. So that referees can referee on a Thursday and then again on a Friday and then again on a Saturday, probably. Um, the in in Bend, you know, Bend High School has one of the best five A volleyball teams in the state Mm -hmm. and they were playing double headers against redmond and i don't remember who the other team i think it was like caldera but you know you're playing back-to-back league matches and that's that's because of a referee shortage okay so the athletes are bearing the brunt of it as well by having to you know play multiple games in short order um and the stakes are higher right especially when it's a conference tilt like that i mean that has implications Mm -hmm. for everything beyond you mentioned earlier about the uh reading the osa letter and feeling like this is a a male voice who doesn't understand um what it's like to work with female athletes are there a lot of female referees or is it predominantly men across oregon the referee scene is predominantly male and predominantly older male Okay. That's in my in my experience, yeah. And that could be, you know, it could be any number of factors there. Uh, who who has yeah. who has the who has the flexibility or the interest in picking up side gigs, or um, mm-hmm. maybe it's a I don't know if there are any other factors at play there that uh, make it a, a less uh, appealing option for women. From what you've heard, um, not necessarily. I have I I don't really know what the driving force is for a lot of those. I I mean, like to be fair, like I was at a volleyball game last night, and volleyball referees are predominantly female. Okay. Uh, a lot of them, a lot of them are refereeing the sport that they used to participate in, but then that you know that just varies. Like you see a few female basketball referees, for example, but you know it's still a predominantly male gig okay yeah i won't ask you to <laughs> to give a full picture across oregon because obviously it varies depending on sport and what part of the state you're in and whatnot but mm-hmm. um let's just kind of close this out nick by um you know a lot of these issues we're talking about uh whether it's fan behavior or you know the pandemic related shortage that you just mentioned um or just how the the inequities between how um you know, boys and girls or men and women are, are treated. These are all societal issues, right? I mean, high school sports don't exist in a, in a vacuum. They're part of our society. And you've also been reporting over the last, gosh, I feel like it's got to be more than a year now about some, um, racist incidents, uh, involving various schools. Can you talk about, um, 
some of those incidents for people who might have uh, missed that coverage and where things stand on that front? Yeah, we've we've reported on quite a few instances of um, you know just racist incidents that took place at sporting events. Uh, it all started last year when Ryan when Ryan Clark, who covers Timbers and Thorns for us, he was on the, the high school beat for about a month and a half, and he the we reported on. Uh, there was an altercation at a Legrand versus Gladstone football game uh, where Gladstone players just alleged that players from Legrand were using racist words against them. And, you know, after that, it kind of, we, we just kept hearing about certain things. Uh, the Benson girls basketball team went to Cla- uh, Camus and there was, you know, racist words used towards them, even as far, you know, Malala, I think, basketball um there was an incident against gladstone again and a few a few schools in the state of oregon they were put on uh, probation for a year Hmm. three schools in oregon were put on probation for a year um, because of this and this is this is due to the osa star initiative the osa actually you know explicitly steps in and says we are going to help investigate these incidents because we want to make sure that these stop happening um by you know by forcing sort certain uh, punishments because you know up north the uh, WIA and Washington they don't get involved at all in these like I, I reached out regarding the Camus Benson incident and they they said oh this is between the schools this is nothing to do with us but but the OSAA took the opposite approach and said no we are gonna we are gonna step in and make and and hopefully this stuff doesn't happen. So we've been reporting on a lot of those just to make sure that the OSAA is, you know, following its own words and and actually doing something about it because, you know, if they they created their star initiative to stop these things, but if they're not, you know, doing their due diligence, then yeah. I think it's kind of it's kind of just loot. And so these schools that are seeing consequences, what does that mean for the for the athletes? It doesn't mean anything for the athletes directly. It is it it means that the when a school gets put under probation for a year, it means that if an incident like this happens again, the next the the next time something like this happens, if there's if there is a next time, the punishment will be a little bit more severe. Yeah. It it include like fines, but when you get under probation, like the everyone who's involved, like say you have a basketball game. You know, you have ticket takers, you have uh, the scoreboard operators, you know, all sorts of people are involved. All of those people have to take the OSA's implicit bias training and they have to, you know, come up with a, you know, come up with a chain of command for reporting these sorts of things to make sure that they can be stopped as soon as possible. There's just a few steps that the school has to go through to, um, you know, prove to the OSA that they are doing you know, their part to make sure this stuff doesn't happen. And, you know, we're about a month into the school year and the, and the sports season. What are you hearing, if anything, so far this year? I mean, have, have you heard of any rumblings of bad behavior out there? Or, you know, is, are people generally just uh, taking into action, hopefully in a somewhat respectful manner? I, I, I would like to think that everyone says, oh, no, the if we if we have things like this happen, the Oregonian's going to show up and, <laughs> and write about it. But you know, no, I haven't I haven't heard anything um, yet. I do. I, I will say that in terms of fall sports, I think you're more likely to get this kind of stuff in the postseason. 
because these are because when you have playoffs, it's a lot of teams that don't know each other playing. Yeah, and that's when your student section is more likely to be, you know, a little bit more offensive because you don't like if you're Twilight and Tiger. Twilight and Tiger don't like each other one bit, but these are kids who have to see each other all the time. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to. You're, you're not gonna. You're not gonna go to. You're not gonna dig into those kids too deep because. You're going to see him again in a couple of weeks. Is there anything else uh, I should have asked you? Obviously, you've got a lot on your plate. And as you've been uh, laying out here today in this conversation, there's just so many um, interesting stories uh, that you're sharing. Anything else you want to add? I would say that, you know, it's it's sports. Sports is fun. We All the sports reporters love a good time. We, we love watching games, but and high school sports, especially, you know, these are, we're, I'm, I get to watch some of the best, you know, teenage athletes in the state compete at a high level and it's all, you know, happy fun time, but sometimes it's not happy fun time. And you, you just got, you just got to put your news reporter hat on and, 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 <laughs> and do, do some news reporting. And I know how to do that. Well, uh, you certainly do. Thanks for your coverage and for taking time to talk about it. Appreciate it. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for listening to Beat Check with your Oregonian. I shared links to some of Nick's recent stories in the episode notes. If you like this show, give us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find the show. And tell a friend. Help spread the word. The best way to support our journalism is with a subscription to Oregon Live. You can do that at OregonLive.com slash pod support. Until next time.